welcome to a very special episode of Podrick the Podcast. This episode is part of our third season titled Exploring the Multiverse, where I, Maor Sadra, CEO at Incremental, interview industry experts and thought leaders about hypothetical scenarios that may never happen, but who knows, we do live in an unpredictable world. Today I had the opportunity to interview John Kutzier. John is an extremely well-known writer and a thought leader publishing regularly on Forbes.com and a consultant with one of the top mobile attribution companies, Singular. John and I went into some wild what-ifs, like what if Elon Musk buys another social platform, and what if Apple decides to buy a mobile attribution company. John brings a ton of experience and his very interesting perspective on these topics. I had fun speaking with him and hope you'll enjoy listening to our conversation. In a three, in a two. Hello, John. I'm so honored that you're actually here. It's... Uh... I'm very honored to be here. It's so long. We said the last time we saw each other was probably like six, seven years ago in Malta. It was beautiful. It was amazing. Now we're on Zoom. I don't know if it's an improvement. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I think that Malta trip was one of those crazy trips. Uh, so I used to be a CEO at Uplift and we used to do these sometimes very luxurious uh, customer events. And yeah, you were you were with us as like um, someone who represents back then it was Tune, right? It was Tune, which doesn't exist anymore in the same form. The interesting thing about that meeting was there were like 20 people in the room that were not from AppLift or outside experts, if you would call it that. And they represented hundreds of millions of dollars of ad spend from significant brands. It was an amazing conversation. Yeah, yeah it was a great event. Did you stay for the fun day as well? Because we had a lot of fun days. Like, I stayed for the fun day. I, would I leave? <laughs> yeah, it was jet skiing and so on. Yeah, well, crazy ad network days. Anyway, um, so, uh, John, for those who live under a rock, uh, maybe you, um, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, so my name is John Kutzier. I'm very Googleable. I contribute at Forbes and I consult with tech companies. My stuff at Forbes is mostly around AI and robotics and smart home and smart matter and stuff like that that and my consulting for reasons that are beyond me uh has evolved to be mostly around ad tech martech and so one of my clients is singular and mmp and there's a few others cool cool and by the way how long have you been doing this it's coming close to a decade which is a little scary when you ask that okay how did you get to it so like what what was the route before this I started, I was writing full-time for VentureBeat and my focus was Apple and uh, some other big tech companies. And I started, we raised a little bit of capital. I started a research arm of VentureBeat. We called it VB Insight. And we started on MarTech for some reason. MarTech was exploding. You remember Scott Brinker um, and his massive MarTech maps. And, you know, one year it was 500 companies. Next year it was 1,500 companies. And I think now it's up to like 13,000 or something like that. He's at HubSpot right now. Cool. And so we were following that and there was a lot that was going on. It was super interesting. So MarTech and AdTech sort of became one of the central parts of our research. And we put together some really, really cool reports. I have some interesting stories to tell you about that, including what IBM did to one of my reports. <laughs> and then I wanted to go out on my own and do my own stuff and started consulting with Tune, eventually switched to Singular. I'm going to ask you a weird question, but I think I know the answer, but... Like is writing in like the marketing technology world, is it a job for you or is it a passion? 
it's both. I don't do anything that I'm not interested in. I don't do anything that I don't love. I don't do anything I'm not passionate about. Why do that? Life is too short. Yeah, you know, my, my colleagues will sometimes ask me, I don't know if I'm like a social person and say, yeah, I can talk about like ethic and marketing technology all day, but put me like in a dinner party. I'm like, um, does anyone know like the CPM trends currently? Because I have nothing. To do <laughs> it's not quite this, like so. who's going to win the Super Bowl next year? Uh, is I have it? no <laughs> idea, but I, I can tell you stuff about like, uh, again, uh, CPM and attribution stuff and what Apple's planning to do next. At least that's what I think. So, yeah, for me, for sure, it's maybe a passion first, a job later. Absolutely. Cool. So uh, welcome to the pod. Um, the theme I came up with this time around was crazy hypotheticals, things that are very, very unlikely to ever happen. But it just makes a really, really fun conversation because you let your mind wander. You don't need to stick to facts. You can just go for again, like what <laughs> it's is... perfect. We can bullshit all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but again, I think it's what's cool is you know I bring industry experts. People have a lot of experience and just see how they think about these things that. And again, you and I also know it could happen. Everything could happen. So. Yes, I recently watched the movie Everything Everywhere All at Once. So anything is possible in some world somewhere. Exactly. And that's, by the way, the, the, I think the name of the podcast is Exploring the Multiverse. That's it. Oh, nice. That's, that's Joanna, the uh, um, um, marketing lead, basically came up with a very big name. So I'm um, going to jump directly into the first question, um, which is App Store related and so on. Um, what if Google decides, you know what, uh, we want to encourage a little bit more developers uh, coming to Android. Everyone kind of like, you know, invests <laughs> resource in iOS. And then if they have time, they do the Android bit. Um, so we're going to reduce the App Store fees to 5%. I actually think that this isn't crazy hypothetical. I actually think that something of that order, maybe not that exact number, is more likely than not. Because if you look at the trend, if you look at Digital Markets Act in Europe, we are going to have more competition on app stores. We just are. Um, there's going to be the capability of choosing your own payment mechanism. And it's not going to, at some point, it's not going to cost you 27% instead of 30%. You know, the way that Apple structured it for, was it Korea, Netherlands, a couple of places like that. So if you're, if you're Google, and you're looking at what those fees are. Sure, there's a competitive thing against iOS, but I think Apple's facing the exact same thing with the App Store. You're looking at <clears throat> multiple App Stores. People can go wherever they want. Maybe it's a Samsung. Maybe it's the uh, Rovio App Store. Maybe it's the, you name it, the brand, whatever it is. And that is a goldmine because there's cuts of payments all the way along. Uh, I think it's huge. So will that let's let's unpack it in multiple levels there there's a couple ways to look at it would apple and google both do it or would just google do it as a competitive thing against ios and apple so in this scenario we're talking about google basically the first yeah. ones to do it okay i don't i don't know that it would move the needle that much honestly because if you look at people who are embedded in the ios ecosystem. They're deeply embedded. They have maybe five to 10 devices. Their music is on the iOS ecosystem. Their movies, they bought movies on the iOS ecosystem. Many of their payments and their subscriptions and other stuff like that. So are you going to move over because developers are preferentially going to Android because it's cheaper for them? 
I don't know. Maybe that's a 10 year thing. What do you think? No, I actually don't think so. Like, I, I think that the end user, like, so, you know, currently I think what the like global, uh, the global split between iOS and Android is still probably like around the 50, 50, I assume. I know it's, uh, iOS and Android, Android is about 70% and, okay. and so that's devices. Yeah. iOS is about 30%, just a little lower than that, but the important part is payments. Most of that is still on the on the iOS side okay. in terms of revenue, in-app revenue. Okay. No, but again, that that would make sense. And again, you have kind of like a what is it like a thousand dollar device on an Android? So I have like two hundred dollar devices that are even cheaper than that. So for sure, the audience is quite different. But again, I think that the end user won't get it. Won't see it. Again, I think most most end users have no idea that there is an app store. Even you know, even uh, some billionaires had no idea that the app stores take like a cut and we're very surprised. If you look at platforms in the past, whether the gaming platforms, computing platforms, you look at what we've always called killer apps. I need to be on that platform because there's that app that I absolutely must be in, must have, right? Can you imagine anyone abandoning iOS because Google said fees are only 5%? iOS monetizes twice as well, twice as good as Android. You can't leave it alone. You can't. No, no, for sure, it. for sure. I don't think it's about the um, the end users. But let's talk developers. You know, if and you mentioned Rovio, mm -hmm. and by the way, we had Rovio on this pod as well. Um, if Rovio now said like like if Google is now basically offering Rovio significantly higher profits on Android, they're gonna put some more resources, wouldn't you think? Like on Android development. Yes, but if you make 2x on iOS versus what you make on Android, and now you're getting your Android revenue, you're getting, let's say, uh, 15 or 20% more, 25% more, that doesn't make up the 2x differential. Mm. Okay, so again, in your view, it doesn't really change that much. Do you think it would push Apple to make the same change? Or do you think Apple will do their own math and say, yeah? Like we're not bothered by what Google I does. I think it would push Apple to do the same thing. I think that other secular forces are pushing Apple and Google to do the same thing. If you look at the history of in-app payments, first of all, it was at the beginning, it was a 30% cut right off the top, everything. And then the subscriptions got second year a little bit better. And there's some carve outs that have been added. And the trend inevitably is down on that percentage. What are the costs of running an app store? What are the costs of running Google Play? They're not massive. A lot of the code checks are automated. Uh, there are people there, but there are not a huge number of them. What are the costs of running payments? I mean, when Apple first initiated in-app payments, it was a big deal. It was really hard because how do you do $1 credit card payments, right? And how much of that is a credit card company taking? And is it worth it? And all, a lot of payments are more than that now, or they can bundle those, aggregate those. Uh, you can use wallets, other things like that. I think that the trend is going to be that they're going to go down and that's competitive pressure. Digital Markets Act is going to force alternate app stores, including on iOS, and that's going to force fees to come down slightly. It'll be interesting to see how that works. By the way, do you see, because earlier we talked about the competitive app stores, and I think, again, you've been there when like Microsoft was basically forced to pop this pop-up when you install Windows, pick your browser. Okay? Yes. Yeah. Do you uh, think your app store? <laughs> yeah. Do you think that's the like potentially that's the future? I don't know. The EU forces Apple and Google to pop this annoying app store or pick your app store, your default app store. 
It could be. I don't know if I see that exact, but I do see the capability of people being able to choose and install different app stores. And uh, here's the deal, though. Even in that world, even in that world, Apple and Google have huge advantages. They're really deeply embedded. People trust them. They know the process. It's it's a it's a one tap easy button. Um, it's it's really really hard. I think we've seen some examples in China where app stores can work, but that's for external reasons that Google doesn't play in that world. Yeah, I agree. And then you know, it's like if I go back and thinking of the like browser wars, I don't think that pop up really had anything to do with like the demise of Internet Explorer. I think it was just people choosing Firefox back then was just better. And then Chrome took over, and now there's a lot of people going back to Firefox. But again, it's about was Explorer ever any good? I no, was it ever. I, I don't think it was ever, in, but it was the default. So for sure, a lot of people use it. Maybe the pop up did help. I don't know. Actually, I, you know, Maybe. I've been there. I was there. I, I used the internet. <laughs> I used Netscape. Come on. I was way before Internet Explorer. <laughs> I use uh, Netscape too. We're dating ourselves. <laughs> yeah, 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 we are. There. But again, we started a career when we were like when we were like five. So it's, it's fine. yes, exactly. Yes, Three. Yes, yes. <laughs> Okay, you know, I have another like crazy hypothetical. I'm going to throw it at you. So let's go for the other complete extreme. You know what? Google says we're going to do the 5%. Um, and Apple says, you know what? I'm stopping to charge anything. But if you want an iTunes Connect, if you want to publish your app, it's let's go for 200K a year. That's the license. Instantly, no more <laughs> indies. Wow. <laughs> That's a very, Thanos very moment painful. right there. Very painful, very painful. But on the other hand, again, if you're an Indian, you believe in your 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 game or your app, uh, you raise money and 200 fees like a real estate cost. Basically, it's like renting a shop in the middle of San Francisco. Here, here's here's the reality that I could assume that I could imagine uh, optional. You can go on the current system. Or you can go with this $200,000 or $1 million fee or something like that. And then the Rovios and the, the supercells of the world. Hey, yes. <laughs> Instant. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> For them, no brainer. No brainer. Exactly. But you just cannot do something like this. You just can cannot do that. First of all, there's the emotional aspect. Are you going to kill the little guy? No. I mean, do you want to be that person just squishing out little developers? You, you can't be. You're instantly Satan in, in the mobile world. That's a bad place to be. The other thing is you don't know what's going to grow and what's going to be big. We've seen it. I mean – We've seen apps grow from nothing. It doesn't happen that often, uh, but it does happen. We've seen apps grow from nothing to take over. And you don't want to stop that. You don't want to calcify the current um, who's big and who's not and just leave that and not evolve that at all. By the way, the, like, the, the like small mom and, mom and pop shops, this was Facebook's claim when Apple came up with ATT, right? They put a like a, a news newspaper ad on like Apple. Facebook stands for the little guy. Yeah, which was like, okay, um, interesting. Um, and then you had, they had like a, uh, what was it? Like a complete backlash of like people were like, uh, you blocked my account, you banned my account, you ruined my business and so on. <laughs> it's like, uh, that's a little bit of a PR catastrophe there. But um, did ATT actually hurt really like the indie guys? It did in the sense that it was harder to target. You know this as yeah, well as anybody sure. in the space, right? Um, that said, it 
it really hurts those who were spending five figures, six figures, seven figures in marketing and had to completely redo that. So there's a significant, I'm going to look for the name as we're talking here. There's a significant publisher of mobile games who has basically said, we are not Playtica. developing. What's Playtica. that? Playtica, exactly. No but, new games until we know what's happening. But, come on. So like, I know a little bit Playtica, you know, what they, what they uh, send to the press versus some reasons of why certain things happen. Not necessarily the same thing. Uh, and again, yes. I'm putting a massive legal disclaimer here so they don't sue me. Um, but yeah, the App Store economy changed. The world economy has changed right now. So yeah, probably not, yep. maybe not risking a couple. Because again, when a big company launches a new game, that's not like a hundred or $200,000 investment. This is like a couple of millions of dollars, if not tens of millions of dollars investments in today's economic climate. I would get if companies will slow down on rolling out mm -hmm. new stuff. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. That said... I know companies who are still investing and still launching and doing so successfully and also marketing successfully. And there are ways of doing that. And you know what? If you're not going to evolve into changing market conditions, that's going to be a problem. Now, if you're going to just take a break and say, you know what? We're going to use the, we've got proven horses in the race. We're going to keep riding them for a year and then we'll look at redeveloping. Fine. No worries. Uh, but it's not a great statement about your confidence in your ability to develop or your confidence in your ability to market in any particular climate. Yeah, but again, I think when public companies, especially like uh, public companies that are not yet like uh, followed by uh, many, many, many analysts, I think when public companies come up with announcement, there is always some kind of an agenda below the surface. And we've seen it sure. multiple times. Sure. Jumping sure, to the I next agree. hypothetical, which is definitely a crazy one, and I'm, I appreciate the fact that you said, let's go for it. What if Elon Musk buys Snapchat? Yeah, this is interesting. So the interesting thing about Elon here, first of all, is that his net worth is back up, right? Um, Tesla was, stock was way down and has come significantly back up. I think I saw last week that he was, again, the richest person in the world. So this is not entirely insane in terms of capability. Okay. Um, sure what's that? No, capabilities, that's without a doubt. Yeah, capability, he can totally do it. Now, <laughs> I never believed that he would complete the Twitter purchase. I thought he was trying to wiggle his way out. He would get some way out. I know that the former Twitter management team had to like try to compel him to do so out of fiduciary duties for the to the shareholders, but it's been a pretty unmitigated disaster. I'm not sure that Twitter usage is up in terms of people on the platform. We know that revenue is down 40% of what it was the prior year from a recent reporting period that we got some insider insight. We know that many ad advertisers have fled the platform. We know there's been just chaos there. Does he really like this chaos in his life? I don't know, maybe. But anyways, he's talked about creating the everything app, right? And he's talked about that for four decades, three decades, something like that. X was his original startup, morphed into PayPal. Payments is kind of in his blood. That's where he initially made his uh, significant part of his fortune, right? So if you look at Snap, Snap is interesting. Snap has, uh, they've done really crazy, interesting things in AR. They've done really interesting things with a very dedicated user base that I think has, 
survived the TikTok onslaught to a large extent because of the social connection of it. In some way, you can almost look at Snap and say it's sort of similar to Facebook in a sense. Like when you go on Facebook, why do you go on Facebook now? And I'm talking about you personally as an adult. If you go on Facebook, why do you go on Facebook? I don't really go on Facebook. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if sorry you to ruin your... Uh... <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> Here's why I go on Facebook from time to time. It's because my friend graph is there. Friend and family graph is there. And that's what Snapchat has still. Snapchat has that and it's very, very strong. The streaks that people are doing, by the way, they came up with some in-app purchases. You can skip streaks, but keep streaks, <laughs> which is genius and evil at the same time. But anyways, that's what TikTok doesn't have. TikTok doesn't have a friend graph. You don't really friend people. It's kind of more like a YouTube. It's an entertainment platform, right? So it has stolen, a stolen, earned a huge percentage of people's time. But the stickiness of friends and stuff like that isn't there. So I think maybe that's a way that TikTok is vulnerable. If you can get the same experience, whether that's Reels, whether that's on Instagram, whether that's on some new platform that comes up, whether that's on Snapchat or whatever, if you can get that same experience of just mindless, you know, oh, interesting, nice cat, wonderful, somebody dancing, great. If you can get that somewhere else and you can enjoy it just as much, why wouldn't you potentially? So I think Snap has some possibilities there. Now, if Elon Musk was to buy it, would he combine it with Twitter? <laughs> Could you imagine? Twit snap, snap tweet. No, so the question is again, so, you know, what if, what would he do with it? Okay, uh, to be fair, I still don't fully get what is he doing with Twitter, but why, uh, what, um, and what could increase the likelihood of this happening? So that's the three questions about oh, this hypothetical. I, you know what? I, I'm I'm drawing a blank on what he would do with it. Uh, maybe make... <laughs> <laughs> I, limited I really... Tesla ads? I don't know. I'm like... Tesla doesn't need any ads, right? Exactly. Or does but... it? So Tesla's demand you know, is not as the... high as it used to be. When I think the waiting of... list is not as long as it used to be. So when I think of the new social platforms, I always think of like Gen Zs. And, you know, I used to think that the person working in McDonald's sometimes, I don't know, 70 years ago, coming up with the idea of putting like playgrounds within McDonald's was a very, very, very smart person thinking ahead because essentially by associating this like McDonald's with happiness as a child, you're like, you have people hooked mm -hmm. on McDonald's for life. So mm -hmm. I often think that, again, if you would to buy the next thing, what Gen Z's are using, not you and I, or you and I are like, it's too late. Um, but like what the Gen Z's are using, you are making a, an investment for the next generation. Do you think that kind of loyalty still exists? I know that like who's on Facebook these days. So um, people our age or our parents. Yep. Who's on TikTok? It's our kids. Not just kids. There's quite a few adults on TikTok. Have you yes. seen the new teen filter, by the way? No, no, I haven't seen it. There's a new there's a new filter on TikTok, which is the teen filter, which will show you in the bottom half of your screen as you are, and then show you perhaps as you were. 20 years ago or 10 years ago or whatever it is for me it sucked didn't work well but i've seen so many videos of people shared and they're like crying as they see themselves as they were and said you know wow i was not very good to that person or <laughs> other things like that right and and so there are a lot of adults on tiktok and it's uh it's not just kids
No, no, I don't think it's jazz for sure. It's not jazz, but I think uh, the audience tilts towards more the younger. Sure. Which sure. again, so anytime anyone acquires something that is like sticky and currently is adopted by a younger generation, you are making the investment for the next generation. It means we are like you and I, in a way we have stickiness on Facebook, maybe not me personally anymore, but like most people our generation have stickiness towards Facebook. Now yes. think about it again, this is like where the investment 15 or what was it now 20 years i don't know how long but like let's say 15 and above years ago was definitely the right investment because the stickiness remained for a generation i don't think that you can just invest in a platform and assume that it's going to be sticky for a generation i think you have to do something smart in addition to that so the mcdonald's example you gave was there was a playground it was fun mcdonald's was a fun place you keep going to fun places, even if you don't remember why it was fun or how you had fun or anything like that. You just remember that association. I think that Facebook's continued success is more due to its friend graph. I know that it's capturing more attention and time with its reels and other things like that. But I think that's actually a dangerous strategy for them, because if you switch the utility of Facebook to the kind of scrolling time suck that you have in TikTok from the connection to the friend graph, then you take away kind of why it exists. And then you're fighting on the same play playing field as a TikTok without your advantages. So I think that's a challenge. So if we look at Elon Musk taking over Snapchat, why would he do so? Sell Teslas to the next generation? I don't know. I don't see that. He's that that kind of guy that thinks about marketing that way. I think he's the kind of guy who says, I'm going to make the best product I can and people will just come and they'll buy. <laughs> Do you think that's why he bought, like, I still don't get why he bought. I think he bought Twitter because he has ideological reasons to do so. I think he bought Twitter because he thinks that free speech is going away and we need to restore it. I think he bought Twitter in order to create a safe space for people to say whatever the heck they want to say, except that you couldn't say that you were Elon Musk. Yeah, exactly. You say uh, where Elon Musk <laughs> yes, was yes. or where his jet was, except, 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 except. Exactly. And he had no clue how hard it would be, not just in the technology, but in the sociology and the politics of running a social network. Yeah, I think people and... underestimate sometimes the power of the hive mind. Um, and the hive mind on the internet can sometimes be very, very vicious. And it turns quickly. It turns quickly. You know, it's funny because we think about Elon Musk. He bought Twitter and he's going through everything he's going through. Think about Mark Zuckerberg. Think about him 20 years ago and think about what he wanted to do and what he wanted to create and how successful he's been. But now think about how he's living now, all this regulatory pressure, all these, you know, misinformation stuff, political stuff. Yes. Would the young Mark Zuckerberg ever want to do what Mark Zuckerberg is doing right now? Sure not. not a chance. No, no. Who wants to go through like Senate hearings? Exactly. Senator, we run ads. <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite things. Um, you got to get that t-shirt. Yeah. Um, so let's see. You know what? We're going to switch to the next question. So this one, um, surprise, you said, let's go for it. Because it's, I think, by the way, it's a rumor that was like flying around for, for at least three years now. Um, and I'm actually surprised it never happened. Um, and I'm surprised it didn't even happen to a certain companies that you're close to. What if Apple buys one of the MMPs? It's a crazy question. And it's an interesting question. If <laughs> I think it would kill that MMP. 
I literally think it would kill that MMP. I so we exist in a world <laughs> that is here and things are happening. We have an MMP that was bought by a NAT network. We're talking about adjust, obviously. And I haven't seen amazing things about adjust since. And I haven't seen people being super happy about a measurement company being owned by an ad network since. And maybe that's my perspective. Maybe you've got a different perspective so, on that. Yeah. So first, you know, if we go like many, many years in the past, Google bought DoubleClick um, yep. and definitely like DoubleClick for the, for the web um, is was it still pretty much the strongest like um publisher ad server advertiser ad server out there now when you if you look let's try to do the math 11 no roughly 10 years back apple bought burstly they didn't mm -hmm. buy burstly for the ads part the mediation they bought it for test flights and test flight today is hugely adopted by developers yep and i actually think by the way like when they launched SKA Network 1, I already saw kind of like, this is the future. My assumption was that they will buy an MMP because if, if SKA Network was supposed to do like service to developers, then whatever they did was horrible. Um, <laughs> and, and again, it's, it's not the, the vision they have, it's how they did it, the documentation, the testing. And you take an MMP and most MMPs, understand how to work with developers, how to build um, the community that you need, how to train developers. So actually don't see it as like a bad thing. I, I wouldn't think that it would kill the MMP. I would, I would actually think it would kill the other MMPs on iOS because if Apple is now giving you this service, you just don't need it anymore. Correct. If you believe it and if you trust it. Um, that is interesting actually, because then Apple will be running essentially three services, right? I mean, you've got Apple ads attribution, which is done on Apple search ads, right? Um, you've got SK ad numbers, which is a framework for the ecosystem on attribution. And I guess maybe that would be rolled into whatever MMP. Exactly. I would think that SK ad network would be essentially deprecated in favor of the MMP. And again, the MMP part here would essentially cover the privacy, the privacy threshold. So I wouldn't see us going back into IDFA matching. In fact, if Apple did that, they could mandate this is the measurement platform that you use. Exactly, which is not that far-fetched. And again, there was rumors happening that this is going to happen for a very long while. So again, if we go for the what if, so do you still think it would kill the MMP or do you think this is the new standard? I think it's really challenging to believe measurement that is owned by the company that benefits by how that measurement turns out. And so I think that's one of the challenges you do have with Google. It's one of the challenges you do have with um, every platform that's out there that offers its own measurement. It's all useful, but it's all questionable also. And there's some uh, value in independence. So I do think that that would have that challenge, but Apple could say, this is the default measurement. Um, and you know, it's already embedded in the base SDKs that you use to create an app on iOS. And I think people would probably flock to it. That would be interesting. That said, Apple is not a grow by acquisition company by and large. Generally, there's some, there's some exceptions to that rule. They bought beats right? Um, and they've maintained that brand. They've done well with that brand. You mentioned that they bought Bursley. They bought, uh, didn't they buy the technology between behind IAD? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was Quattro, um, Quattro, no, not Quattro. Something like that. Something, something like Quattro that. Mobile. Yeah, there was an ad yeah. network. Um, yeah. They actually bought, like, they buy tech and they buy, uh, they do acqui hires. Yes, exactly. So if they were buying somebody, they try and buy somebody who had good tech, but was small, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I've, all, I've always wanted Apple to buy Sonos. <laughs> and, and by the way, in, in compared to an Apple, um, all of the MMPs are small. True. Yeah, and if, even if you're looking at one of the bigger MMPs uh, out of Israel, they're like 1,600 people. This is a dot versus an, like an Apple. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That would be interesting then, hey, because all your measurement on, on iOS would be default out of the box done. Kind of like uh, assuming you trusted so, it. Eric Sufert wrote an article. I think he kind of like rehashed an article last week on like the original scene of the App Store being the lack of UTMs. Mm -hmm. okay, yes, that, exactly. That, and in a way, it's like, you know, you... And refers. Been, yeah, exactly. And, and you think about it, like if, if Apple would to acquire this tech that is available and the team that is there, and they have, probably have the ability to, to make this acquisition, let's face it, solve a lot of problems to a lot of people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, it would create mm -hmm. a lot of problems to a lot of other people, but... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It would, it would be an interesting world. I mean, it, it would be a nice world as a marketer to just know that it's default, it's hopefully fraud-free, it's hopefully non-gameable, um, and it's there. Now, don't we almost have that in SCAD network in some way, shape, or form? Don't we almost have that without the pain of having the acquisition? Now, I'm not saying in all the details so, and all the ramifications. Almost, yes. But, you know, when, when SKA Network 2.0 was, um, was launched, and again, you work with Singular, so I, I highly appreciate the amount of effort Gadi put into explaining to people how it works, how to use it, and so on, like as a service to the industry. And I remember, like, I actually told him a couple of times that I highly appreciate, like, the amount of like work he's doing for the sake of the community, this is what Apple doesn't do. Google does it. When you look at the yes. privacy sandbox, there's community, documentation, forums, and so on. Apple's kind of like, here you go. <laughs> now that was by default during scan one and scan two, and that made sense. It changed a little bit with scan three, a little, a little, and it's changing more in my opinion with scan four. I think they're engaging more with the community. I think they're, 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 they're definitely engaging more and, with the community. Most again, of that is behind the door, but. I think all of this would have been fine if this was in parallel to the launch of the app store in 2000 and whatever it was. We are now in a multi-billion dollar market and Apple suddenly says, you know what, from now on, you walk on your hands. Good luck. We all are where we are and, 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 and you know what you know when you know it. So the, I don't complain about stuff in the past like that because we already, Apple took away the UDID, Universal Device ID, yeah, yeah. because people were saying, I can track that device in perpetuity gave us the IDFA identifier for advertisers. And guess what? That proved to be dangerous as well. Literally, you could track the president of the United States by seeing ads that were being served to members of the Secret ah, Service. Yeah, I, saw, I saw that there was a Washington Post article, right? It was New York Times. New York, New York Times, Times exactly. yeah. Right. You also <laughs> had 
um, potentially thumb drives full of IDFAs of certain types of people heading off on jumbo jets yeah, <laughs> to China. They're required by now, so we can... We can yes, manage. and people being uh, uh, arrested by the FBI on said jumbo jets, right? And then you had the concerns around uh, what can you do with the power to track people around the, the mobile digital ecosystem in terms of elections and all that. So Apple had to do something. They had to do something. Privacy was important and IDFA was not cutting it. There were multiple ways they could have done that. IDFAs could have expired after five days, 10 days, um, 30 days or something like that. I don't know. It's rotating numbers or something like that, that, that maybe that was a simpler solution. I don't know. Uh, but they put in SKI network. Now, if we look at marketing measurement, right? There's a lot of different ways of doing it. You've got deterministic, you've got probabilistic, you've got aggregate, you've got, you got, you got uh, granular, right? I think that we're in a world where we want all the data we can get, all the signals we can get from all the places we can get. Scan's one of them, but it's only one of them. And, and I think Apple doesn't necessarily want it to be too good. <laughs> So again, personally, I actually never thought that it's like, I, I, by the way, I always think that like attribution user level attribution and tracking is, is one data point, but you can't just make your decisions based on the single data point. You need more data points as a marketer. Yep. And again, if you think of the basics of marketing, it's the AIDA model, you know, the attention, interest, desire, action. It's not just who clicked last, who saw last. It's never been around that. Um, and again, I think that, we, we, like, we pretended it was. Um, I think for a while, yeah, and then it started bothering me. But again, I've never had like something, you know, like sometimes people will ask, oh, are you guys like competing with the MMP? No, we're not competing with the MPs. But uh, anyway, but it's kind of like, I always thought that what Apple, the way Apple did it was just really, really wrong. Um, it's like, it, it probably needed to get done. That's without a doubt. Mm -hmm. The way mm -hmm. they did it was wrong. Mm -hmm. So let me go back, maybe kind of like final question here. On a scale of, again, uh, zero to 100%, what's the likelihood of Apple acquiring one of the MMPs? 25. What could increase it? Significant malfeasance or dysfunction in the iOS marketing and development ecosystem. I think, by the way, it's, if you look at um, you know some of the Facebooks or Meta's uh, stock releases and uh, like why they laid off a lot of people. Seems like Apple knows about it, but they're kind of like, no, this is what we did. I think that, again, the fact that it hurt some uh, of this industry, um, again, I don't think it's definitely like planned. Maybe it's a byproduct of this whole thing. Um, again, same goes for like Apple search has who doesn't use the same rules because, oh, it's our first party data, so we can. Um, I don't think you can lay meta layoffs at the foot of Apple. I just for sure, for sure not. But like when Mark issued the email to the employees, he actually like, ref like um, referred. It's to a great excuse. Bad signal it's loss. It's a great excuse. But nothing pisses me off more than mega corporations earning ten billion dollars of profit in the previous quarter and laying off ten thousand people. I mean, yeah. they're literally creating the economic crisis that they're worried about. And I and you know what they get rewarded for it stock price boomerangs up, but, but that's that's currently how the world works. It's uh... that is currently how the world works. I totally get it. And you know, honestly, most tech companies overhired during the pandemic. Yeah, 
So we, we saw a massive increase in hiring from Amazon, from, from Microsoft, from Google, from Facebook. Apple didn't, by the way, Apple didn't massively increase hiring, uh, but we saw massive increases and they're laying off some percentage of that. We also, we all know what is the core problem with Meta. Yes, ATT cost Meta uh, in the short term, but there are ways Actually, they have improved in the last year. So I just finished the ROI index for Singular, and they got better at doing scan than they were previously. They were slow to, they got better at, they they were doing better. And I think there's many more things that they can do internally around that. But Mark Zuckerberg made a bet, the big M, (laughs) metaverse bet. And he spent $10 billion a year on it for a couple of years. And it's early. I, I have... A quest right there on you can't see it's blurred out but you know i put that thing on once a month because you know my phone it's my windows of the world and it's instant in fact it's always on now this model (laughs) but it's it's there boom that it's a thing i have to prepare my space i've put my head on i have to turn it on oh i have to do a software update because you know there is another software update in the month since i've used it right and then it's you know i'm i'm isolated it's i'm sorry until we have things that are super simple instant on instant experience instant integrated with my world around me more like sunglasses or eyeglasses than a helmet um it's gonna be hard yeah integrated cheap integrated into the brain basically siri or chat gpt in brain that's kind of <laughs> like what we need apparently wire me up wire me up into the matrix so John, thank you so much. Um, it was pretty much as fun as I expected it to be. So I uh, hope you enjoyed it too. I did. I did. Thank you. And have a, have a great rest of the day. You too. <laughs>